Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we dive deeper into the exciting story of Moses with Michael Samuel Smith, and we'll have a special moment of prophecy with Dr. Kenneth Hill. Southwest Radio Ministries is excited to announce our next Clarity to the Chaos Conference will take place Friday and Saturday, August 11th and 12th in Colorado Springs. Speakers include nationally known historian Bill Federer, Greg Patton, Micah Van Huss, Larry Stamm, and Josh Davis. Registration is open, so reserve your place for this important conference. Call 1-800-652-1144 or visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. When you attend a conference or order a resource from SWRC, you are supporting the ministry and helping us have the needed funds to proclaim worldwide the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Michael Samuel Smith is back, continuing to examine the prophecies associated with the Moses story, most of which you and I have probably never heard before. Here's Michael Samuel Smith. We're back with Michael Samuel Smith, and we're talking about his DVD, The Second Coming of Moses. Brother Mike, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thanks for the invitation, Dr. Spargeman. You know, it's always a great honor to be on your show. Thanks. In your Moses DVD, you talk about a story in Exodus chapter 17, whereby Moses is up on the top of a hill holding his rod upward. And when it's up, the Israelites are winning the battle against the Amalekites. But as his hands lose strength and they lower, Israel starts losing the battle. You say this is a prophetic picture of Jesus up on the cross 1,500 years later. What can you tell us about that and relate the two uh, incidents together? Well, let's get a foundational footing on the subject first. Uh, It's important, you know, the Israelites have been on the road in the wilderness for a few months since leaving Egypt. So this is Israel's first battle, and they're dealing with a very vicious enemy, the Amalekites. Who are these bad guys? Well, let's go down memory lane for a moment. If you turn to Genesis chapter 36, you'll see the genealogy of Esau. As you look at verse 16, you see Duke Amalek. So Amalek is the grandson of Esau. You may recall hundreds of years later when King Saul was king, the prophet Samuel was told by God to instruct Saul to totally destroy the Amalekites. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Not only did King Saul fail to do that, but he allowed the king of the Amalekites, King Agag, to live, and it says that in verse 9. Because of not following God's orders, hundreds of years after that, when Israel was in captivity, we see the evil Haman in the story of Esther, Esther chapter 3, verse 1, attempting to wipe out all the Jews in one day. Notice Haman was an Agagite, which he was a descendant from King Agag, an Amalekite. So we see the Amalekites and their hatred for God's people all the way from Moses to Esther. Now, back to the Moses story in Exodus chapter 17. In verse 9, Moses tells Joshua, gather your soldiers for tomorrow. You're going into battle against the Amalekites, and I'll be up on the hilltop with the rod of God in my hand. So as that takes place the following day, Joshua and his troops were down in the valley having a vicious fight, and Moses was up on a hilltop as expected. So when Moses held up the rod, Israel prevailed, and as he tired and his rod lowered, the Amalekites prevailed. It appears Moses needed some help, so 
Aaron and her assisted Moses. Notice one man was on Moses' left side and the other on his right side, as, as it says in verse 12. As we progress into the story, I want everyone to be aware specific pictures of major prophecy are taking place in the story. A stone was placed under Moses to sit on this hilltop. I want folks to think of that rock as having a connection with the future Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. And we don't want to miss it, but we want everyone to focus like a hawk on the word steady in Exodus chapter 17, verse 12. Why? Because one of the greatest mysteries in the Bible is predicated on this very word. Also, this very word steady will connect a number of other Bible events together. Now we go to a Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew section and look up the word steady. It's number 530 in the Hebrew section. The utilization of that word always represents faith. Of course, I'm in the King James Bible to start here. Now that we know that the word steady means faith, now we can put on our prophecy hat and prepare for the prophecy picture in this very amazing story. Mm. Now place yourself down in the valley. You're fighting with Joshua, your leader, in a bloody battle with a vicious enemy. You look up to the hilltop above. You know whenever Moses is holding that rod up, you're engaged in victory. Now look very carefully again, prophetically. It's Jesus on the cross with the man on his left and on his right. Now we know there's Aaron and her there. Did you know that the word Aaron in Hebrew means mountain of strength, and the name Her means liberty in Hebrew? You know, the Holy Spirit didn't use these names just to fill space. Mm -hmm. right. So let's just step back for a moment, and let's analyze what's going on here. The victory in this battle has nothing to do with Moses' physical strength. Victory comes when the Israeli soldiers down below are looking up at the sign of Jesus on the cross and have faith in that. It is truly all about that. And notice Joshua's leading the battle down below. Now, let's go to Numbers chapter 21 for a moment. You know the story about the brazen snake up on the pole, the wooden pole. Right. Fiery serpents are biting the folks, some even dying, mainly because of sin and disobedience. They go to Moses for help, and Moses calls on the Lord to help. God instructs Moses to place a brass servant on a pole and when the people look upon the brazen snake on this pole, they will live, Numbers chapter 21, verse 9. You know, in Bible prophecy, the metal brass represents judgment. Did you notice there's a connection to this story and Moses holding up the rod in Exodus chapter 17? Well, what's that connection? It's faith. If the people didn't have the faith to look up on the brazen serpent pole, they would die. For the record, I want the folks to know, nowhere in the Old Testament is the serpent pole experience explained. Mm -hmm. But we do have good news. Jesus actually explained the answer to the serpent pole story. It's found in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. I'll just cover verse 14 and 15 for a All moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, referring to Christ, be lifted up, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you can clearly see we have the same concept happening in the Exodus story with Moses lifting up the wooden rod as the people look up and attain victory, and that same type and shadow picture as people look up at the brazen serpent pole in Numbers chapter 21. By the way, did you know why there's a snake on that pole? Well, that's prophetically a picture of Jesus Christ taking on all the sins of the world typified by the snake on that pole. So we have to ask the question, do we have the faith to personally look unto that pole 
or cross and trust in Jesus Christ by faith, that he took on all of our sins. As we believers know, he took our place there and personally died for us. So this all goes to prove how important the cross really is. Mm. Amen. Well, friends, Michael Samuel Smith's DVD, The Second Coming of Moses, will take you to the Old Testament, to the New Testament, and beyond into the fulfillment of prophecy. This is a one-hour and 42-bit DVD with dozens of color shots that will make the account come real. Our toll-free number is 1-800-652-1144. Just ask for The Second Coming of Moses. Brother Mike, I know many of us have never heard this before, but you say in your film, the rapture is clearly depicted in one of the Moses stories. So if you don't mind, take a moment and explain that for us. Well, as we move forward in Exodus chapter 24, let's look at verses 16 and 18. In verse 16, it says, And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And in Exodus chapter 24, verse 18, it states, And Moses went into the midst of the cloud. Now, when we look at Second Peter 3 and 8, that sometimes gives us a prophetic clue, meaning a day is like a thousand years. So in Exodus chapter 24 story, Moses went up into the cloud after six days was complete, meaning prophetically, after 6,000 years, Moses was raptured up into the cloud. This story also corresponds to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 3, where it says, and after six days, Jesus was transfigured. Of course, it's talking about Jesus being with Moses and Elijah in that vision. Now, according to Matthew chapter 17, verse 9, of course, this is a vision Peter, James, and John were witnessing. Now, we know it's about 6,000 years from Adam and Eve to now. Is this prophecy in Exodus chapter 24 showing us we go up in a cloud after 6,000 years. We believe it can be, possibly. We are also of the opinion God shows us prophecy through numbers, and when multiplied by the Jubilee number 50, it oftentimes can give us a prophetic answer. Here's an example. When Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 says, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So 50 times 120 years is 6,000 years. Here's another one. Moses lived until he was 120 years old. Well, 50 times 120 is 6,000. And he was in good health when the Lord took his life. Another example, when Moses arrives in Egypt to confront the evil Pharaoh, he is 80 years old. 80 times 50 is 4,000. And here's a connection to Jesus. When Jesus shows up as a baby in Egypt, it's about 4,000 years after Adam and Eve. So we do believe the rapture story is embedded with Moses going up in the cloud after six days to Mount Sinai. So after 6,000 years, we too may be going up into a cloud. And are we ready for that journey? Well, we should be looking any day for that now. Amen. 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 We need to be realizing that the situation is critical. These are very, very apocalyptic times, to say the least, and I appreciate the warning and the reminder. You also stated in your DVD, you believe the marriage supper of the Lamb concept is clearly shown in another Moses event. Can you share some thoughts on this and and share some scriptures to back that up? You know, Pastor Larry, this is the strangest story that I've ever heard concerning Moses and his stories, 
There really is a type of shadow story in Exodus here that depicts the marriage supper of the Lamb with Moses in it. So here we go. If folks go to Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 through 11, now I want to keep it simple. I'm going to paraphrase this story to keep it short. But after burnt and peace offerings were made, and Moses sprinkled the blood on the people, we see in Exodus chapter 24, verse 9, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, plus the 70 elders of Israel, all went up to the mountain, referring to Mount Sinai, where they all saw and met with God, and the Lord's feet were on a throne made of sapphire stone, as mentioned in verse number 10. And in Exodus 24, verse 11, it tells us they saw God and did eat and drink. I wonder how many folks ever heard that in their Sunday school class. I would tend to think that's a big deal. And as the 70 elders of Israel being there, too, the number 70 in the Bible always has a connection to Israel. So they're all there having a feast with God. Now our opinion is the Lord there is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, the future Lamb of God. I don't know about you, Pastor Larry, but it sure looks like a type and shadow marriage supper of the Lamb to me. Mm, And after we go up into the cloud, I believe a meal will be awaiting us, too, and what a meal that will be. Amen. Amen. Well, we certainly have a bright and wonderful future, all because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. In your film about Moses, Brother Mike, you discuss two different rock stories and route to the promised land. You claim there is a parallel between Moses and Jesus 1,500 years later. Can you tell us about that, and how did you come to that conclusion? Well, as the Israelites now find themselves in the wilderness of sin, they come to the place in the desert called Raphadim. This took place a few months after leaving Egypt. This is the same place they will end up fighting the Amalekites. But the people are also murmuring against Moses, and they're running out of water. This story is found in Exodus chapter 17. We will call this rock story number one. So Moses goes before the Lord and says they're in dire need of water, and the people are threatening to stone even Moses. The Lord instructs Moses to gather the elders, and along with his rod, Moses is instructed to smite the rock, and as he does so, water comes forth enough to refresh the people and their livestock. Now we're going to proceed to rock story number two. Somewhere between 38 to 40 years in the wilderness, the Israelites find themselves at Kadesh. Once again, there was no water for the congregation, and the people gathered themselves against Moses and Aaron. We are now in Numbers chapter 20. Many years earlier, in Exodus chapter 17, verse 6, you may remember earlier, when faced with a similar situation in rock story number 1, God told Moses to smite the rock for water to come out, and he did, of course, do that. However, in rock story number two, God instructs both Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 20, verse 8, to only speak to the rock for water to come forth. Well, Moses ends up losing his temper and becomes exceedingly wroth against the people. Then in Numbers 20, verse 11, the people then, in Numbers chapter 20, verse 11, Moses smote the rock twice. There's good and bad news here. The water does come forth to quench the thirst of the people. However, because Moses disobeyed God's instructions, God told Moses he and Aaron will not be permitted to enter the promised land. Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. 
You see, Aaron could have rebuked Moses for his actions, but did nothing, and he too will be judged for this. You might say, why would God be so judgmental towards Moses and Aaron? After all, Moses served God 120 years and is close to entering the Promised Land. In one respect, it doesn't seem fair, but I think it's time we step back and prophetically analyze the story. You see, there are two major prophecies going on in these two rock stories. And there are connections with the future Messiah, Jesus Christ, at work here, too. In rock story number one, where Moses is instructed to smite the rock, this type and shadow event represents Jesus' first coming, where he would be smitten during Passion Week. In rock story number two, where Moses was instructed to only speak to the rock, this story represents Jesus' second coming mm. at the future, at the second advent. This time, he is coming with all power and glory to bring restoration to planet Earth. Wow. Now you know why the rock is to only be spoken to and not smited. Well, Brother Mike, how can you equate Christ to an inanimate object like a stone or a rock? Well, it's because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for wow. they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock is Christ. We need to take the time to really study that out as it connects with this Moses story. We all should be getting thirsty by now, and may <laughs> our cups runneth over. Amen. Amen to that. The Word of God, when you study it, and I'm, I'm speaking about you specifically, there are things there that you come up with, and when you look, they are there. And no person put that there. The Holy Spirit did. All Scripture is, of course, given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed, and it's given for our profit, for our edification, for our admonition. If we need that, we sometimes need a course correction because we're drifting, and the Word of God is so wonderful. But looking through the lens of your DVD teaching, you state that there is a story in Exodus chapter 19 that gives us a glimpse of the approximate timeline of the return of Christ in our future and parallels the church age. Well, this is a story about a covenant with God, and the Lord wants personally to meet with the Israelites. So in Exodus chapter 19, it begins with the third month. Israel now arrived at Mount Horeb, the holy mountain of God. Moses now ascends up to the mountain and meets with God. So God explains his covenant to Israel through Moses, but God is wanting to know if the congregation is going to accept his law and sends Moses back down to get a response. Now in Exodus chapter 19, verse 8, Israel gave their word they would abide by God's law and statutes. The Lord now wants to show himself to the people and gives ten rules or conditions the people must agree to for God to show himself. Those ten conditions are listed in Exodus chapter 19, verses 10 through 13. Moses is also told by God to set up a border around the mountain, not to be crossed by the people. The people will also be required to sanctify themselves for two days by washing themselves in their clothes. Husbands and wives must also refrain from any intimate contact. And it says that in Exodus chapter 19, verse 17. You see, the lesson here is you don't approach God just any old way. Now, I realize there will be differences of opinion about this, but my personal opinion is there appears to be a prophetic profile revealing the rapture of the future church will follow in short order after two days or 2,000 years when the church age expires. It also states in the text, this meeting with the people would take place on the third day in the morning. 
And I often wonder if that's implying at the fourth watch. Well, my hypothesis <laughs> as I end this is all of this is after two days or 2,000 years could correspond to the end of the church age, and the third day equates to the thousand-year kingdom. And that's mm. when God will actually be here with us. Right. Well, what a wonderful story. Praise God. Well, thank you, Brother Mike, for two great shows and for your ministry. Really appreciate you. Well, thanks for having me on. Yes, friends, you can get your own copy of The Second Coming of Moses, 1-800-652-1144. Just give us a call and ask for The Second Coming of Moses. The full two-day conversation on Moses with Michael Samuel Smith is available on CD. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Let me encourage you today to dive deeper into the exciting story of Moses with Michael Samuel Smith's brand new DVD, The Second Coming of Moses. In this DVD, you'll be amazed at how many prophecies are associated with the Moses story. For example, did you know that the rapture and the marriage supper of the Lamb are both in the Moses narrative? The Second Coming of Moses is a great educational resource for the entire family. Order your copy of The Second Coming of Moses today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill joins us now with today's Moment of Prophecy. Thank you for letting me come and be a part of your day today. It is my pleasure to do so, and it is indeed a privilege. Thank you. My name is Kenneth Hill. I serve as president of Southwest Radio Church Ministries, and it keeps me busy on a daily basis. It's an important job in reality, and yet it's one that I certainly can never take lightly. As an important job, it reminds me that God calls us each one to his work. And the call may be for a large time period or a short time period. It can be for a specific task area, or it could be something that's in general. It's to be done. It is today something that I want to talk to you about, that of service for the king. But before we begin, I'd like to pray. Remember that God is on the throne, and the prayer changes things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. You love us with a love that never fails. You love us with love that is so abounding, so great, so wonderful. You love us in a way that's hard for us to understand, but we appreciate it so much. Help us to love others even as you love us. And as you've called us into your service, Help me today to put forth the words that you would have me to put forth, that I might be faithful in your service, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 22, and Jesus answered 
and spake unto them again by parable, and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. That's the parable. That's the reading today. That's something for us to consider as we see the day approaching soon of Christ's return. Many are called, but few are chosen. My dear friend, make sure that you have the wedding garment, that is, the righteousness of Christ. Be sure to receive the truth and to accept the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ has for you. Thank you. It's been good to be with you today. In the Resource Center today, we're featuring Michael Samuel Smith's brand new DVD entitled, The Second Coming of Moses. This is a great educational resource that the entire family will enjoy. 
Order your copy of The Second Coming of Moses today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Phil Cross will share a unique way to use technology to share the gospel. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.